Okay, welcome everyone to morning session in Second Life. Today, today I'd like to go back to something a little more basic than perhaps usual. Um, often I'm talking about the results of meditation or the place of meditation in our lives and so on, why meditation is so important. But I get sometimes people saying that you know, these ideas are nice and interesting but um, very difficult to put into practice. And I think part of the reason for that is that um, if you rely on, on just talks, and people giving a, a talk on, on Buddhism or meditation, it's necessarily very general, broad, um, vague, <coughs> and... Um, impractical as a complete uh, method of practice. The purpose of a Dhamma talk is to encourage um, and elucidate the meaning of the meditation practice which people are already engaged in for those people who have already received instruction in meditation. So the best role of a, of a talk is for those people who are already meditating. Um, normally when I give talks it would be to those who are engaged in an intensive meditation course. And I give the talk with my eyes closed. And ask everyone to close their eyes. And and practice meditation as they listened and, and the talk is a way to encourage and sort of adjust one's practice based on the principles being discussed therein. But it's, anyway, today I thought I'd go back and sort of talk about exactly what is it that I propose for, for Buddhists or people interested in Buddhist meditation to practice. One One uh, quality or, or characteristic, um, a virtue that is often talked about in in, in Buddhism, is this uh, idea of mindfulness. I think we hear about mindfulness quite often in all of the major schools of Buddhism. Uh, it's considered to be a, a very integral part of Buddhist meditation practice and mental development. And I think this is with good cause because it's something that the Buddha himself taught probably more often than any other 
type of meditation practice and and um, spoke of it in much higher praise than any other um, practice. The Buddha said that the practice of mindfulness, or this word that we translate into English as mindfulness, he said it is the direct way, or the, the straight path that leads only in one direction, and that is to the purification of beings, for the overcoming of sorrow, lamentation, and despair, for being free from mental and physical suffering, for attaining the right path and for realizing freedom from suffering. He never said this about any other practice. He, he was never this clear in his, uh, his discussion of other meditation practices. And so the question might come up as to why there are many different types of meditation practice in that case if this practice is the best way. And the, the thing I think about the Buddha is that he was able to see for individual people what they required in a way that um, I would say most if not all teachers of today are not able, even the best teachers. Um, and I've, I've seen and, and, and um, been in contact with, with several fairly um, experienced teachers and as great and wonderful as they are they still uh, have problems judging and, and uh, assessing every meditator's practice in the way that the Buddha was able to do we have a story that apparently even the Buddha's chief disciple, Sariputta, um, would 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 get it wrong at times, where he would um, recommend a certain meditation practice, and and it turned out to be the wrong one for that individual person. It's very difficult to uh, to know, you know where a person's coming from, what's going to come up in meditation, because we're not dealing just with this life. We're dealing with all of the complexities that make up who we are. When we come to a meditation course, we can have a, a, a certain mode of behavior. And that mode of behavior can completely change through the course of the practice due to other factors from uh, another part of our, our history coming up and coming to the fore forefront as the old... Uh, modes of behavior disappear, new new modes of behavior appear. And it's kind of like layers of an onion in that sense. So it's quite difficult. And I think for this reason, the, the safest bet is to stick with this very general, broad-based, and seemingly universal, universally applicable meditation. In Buddhism, we often talk about the different character types. Um, and there are many different meditation practices that are suitable only for specific character types. So for some people, um, if, if a person is of a lustful temperament, then they should focus on the objective uh, impurities of the, of, of the body, as an example, as a way of sort of countering that. Um, if they're a person who is, is very much addicted to sensuality, 
then by focusing on the body you come to see that, that actually there's nothing particularly um, attractive uh, about it. If a person is an angry or hateful temperament, then they should practice loving-kindness. But not vice versa. If a person is a hating temperament, um, full of anger, they shouldn't focus on the impurities of the body. If a person is a, a lustful temperament, then they, they also won't do very well necessarily um, focusing on loving-kindness. I'm not sure about that one, but the, the point is... Um, in the case of loving-kindness, for a person with lustful temperament, it, it can easily become uh, lust and attraction towards the the object, the, the, the person who is the object. But there are many examples like that of, of meditation practices that aren't um, suitable for an individual person. But uh, when, it, when it comes to practicing mindfulness, we don't have this characterization. And I think this is a problem. It's a problem that I've encountered often with people who have been Buddhist for a long time and say that mindfulness meditation is just not uh, suitable to their character. Um, but according to the Buddhist texts, it, or the ones I follow anyway, um, the, the practice of mindfulness is outside of that... Um, classification because mindfulness is dealing with ultimate realities it's not a meditation that is for trying for calming the mind it's not it's not a uh, an, an, a creation based meditation where you focus on the concept or on any uh, beings or on uh, something that you imagine or think of in your mind you're focusing on what's in front of you and if you look at all of the Buddha's teaching, you can see that this is really what the Buddha wanted us to focus on, even when he was not saying meditate in this way and that way. Um, what he was talking about was always um, one form or another of the objects of mindfulness, the the four what we call the four foundations or the four establishments of mindfulness. So I think this is... Um, Without a doubt, the the most um, widely used and widely applicable form of meditation practice, and it's the safest for a meditation teacher. That's why so many people use it because it 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 clearly has objective benefits for pretty much everyone who, who undertakes to practice it. So a word about mindfulness. Um, the, 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 that's the first problem. The next, the next problem, once we've established that mindfulness is a useful meditation, is to understand what is mindfulness. And the problem, of course, is that the word mindfulness is a fairly poor translation. And most Buddhist teachers who are familiar with the old languages of India, Sanskrit, Pali, will tell you that... Um, it's not really a proper translation. Actually, I like the word, and I think I think it is a good word. Mindfulness is this sense of being alert and um, you know, knowing what you're doing and, and being present. And I think that's important in the meditation, but it doesn't quite capture what we're doing uh, when we meditate. Meditation is a work. It's something that you have to to, to do. It's a practice that you have to undertake. Like uh, in transcendental meditation, you have an object and you have to um, develop that. M meditation is considered a form of development. 
So I think the problem with mindfulness is people generally assume that if you're watching um, reality, if you're looking at it, that you're going to see it clearly. That simply by being present, when you walk, knowing that you walk, when you sit, knowing that you sit, in the sense of, of having a consciousness of it, that that's enough. And th this is a, an argument in, 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 in Buddhism. Some people do believe, there are, there are meditation centers that do believe that that's the case. Um, so I'm not going to say it's not true that you're, you have some level of mindfulness. But what I'd like to suggest is that uh, by working, by actually trying to develop a clearer and more perfect uh, understanding of, of the, the present moment, you get a far m more um, a far more a far deeper uh, understanding and realization of the truth in in a shorter time. That that by by simply watching, you don't have the necessary focus and um, clarity of mind this this is what i've uh, what i've seen through the practice of meditation of the meditation that i teach and that's why i teach it it often seems a little bit counterintuitive um, for those people who kind of have this idea that meditation should be uh, a relaxing or a, 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 um, a, a comfortable state where you're you're just um, taking it easy kind of settling into the moment as it were as a as a way of calming the mind, and where calming whereas calming the mind is a part of meditation, uh, what I want to express is that from what I've seen, um, in order to really gain true and lasting fruit from the practice, there's a certain amount of work that is required, and that we shouldn't be complacent in thinking that we can just sit, watch, and and kind of let our minds float around, and expect to gain real benefits. Um, I mean, you can try both of them. From what I've seen, um, there, there's a great benefit that comes from working. And if you actually put out the effort, you'll find that your mind is much more stable, strong. It's kind of like um, like working out the body. When you put out the right amount of effort, when you work, when you uh, push yourself again and again and again in a repetitious manner, you what you gain out of it is is not any any visible benefit like when you lift weights you don't you aren't actually lifting things and 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 when you when you finish you don't have a bunch of things up in a high place you're lifting up and down up and down and there's no outcome but the the, the weights return to their original location but what you gain is a physical strength so the work in meditation you you do something repetitious again and again and again and you you, you you know, we do this walking back and forth, and people think, well, that's boring, that's stupid, you're not going anywhere, it's just pacing back and forth. But in the same way as when you're lifting weights, at the end of the day, you've gained something. You've gained a, a strength of mind, a fortitude of mind. And um, this is something that's verifiable. So, what I'm talking about here is a application of the mind. Mindfulness in, in a meditative sense is best understood as the work that we put in to remind ourselves of the reality. The word sati, which we translate as mindfulness, actually 
has something to do with the word remembrance or to remember. Um, when you remember your past lives, they call that sati, what we translate as mindfulness. When you think of the Buddha, they call that sati. Um, when you when you think of the the when you think of any object, when you remember something or, or recollect or, or or send your mind out to the object, thinking of it, they call that sati. This isn't exactly what I'm talking about here in terms of the, the, the objects of mindfulness or the foundations of mindfulness. But it gets you an idea of where the word comes from. It has to do with remembering or recognizing or um, establishing in the mind uh, the, the object. So this this is incredibly important in in our relationship with ultimate reality with the reality in front of us because we don't do this when we see something we like it or we dislike it when we hear something we like it or we dis we're, we're always judging even when i'm talking now there's judgments going through everyone's mind unless you're enlightened you're thinking boy good talk boy bad talk boring or so on and it'll change from moment to moment so you might enjoy the talk i assume that you're here because you think i have something useful to say but um that that be that as it may there there's going to be moments where suddenly your mind gets bored your mind starts to lose interest and starts to think about checking something out else out going back to facebook or youtube or whatever um, it, it's it's not something that you can blame on yourself. It's the way of the mind. The mind judges, liking, disliking, and reacting continuously. And I've been studying um, a bit about quantum physics. If you've been following, you've following me. You've been probably hearing about how uh, how I've I've become interested in this. And the reason I'm so interested in it is because that's exactly what quantum physics. Um, allows for or or describes, um, and I've been told by several people that that it, it that the mind has nothing to do with conscious with quantum physics. But um, there's this really interesting author that I've been reading, a, 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 um, one of the experts in the field of quantum physics, and he explains how quantum physics really um, leaves open or leaves a perfect space for the mind, for consciousness, for what we already experience and that is to interpret and to um, make decisions that um, with everything that is experienced there's the moment where the mind uh, intervenes and collapses the quantum state from from a smeared out uh, series of possibilities to a to a specific state a decision that it's going to be like this, and this is this is very close to the description of the uh, of karma in Buddhism, and it's very close to what is experienced in meditation. I was um, quite impressed to see that um, you know what we've been doing in meditation and realizing in meditation is being uh, explained by 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 in terms of quantum physics people who are testing this and saying oh this is how it looks like it's happening and we're like yeah that is how it happens <laughs> which is quite exciting so 
all we're trying to do here, this intervention goes on, the mental intervention goes on in every moment, every time we experience something. It's a mental intervention into the otherwise closed physical reality, the, this, this um, physical realm that goes in terms of cause and effect and, and is otherwise untouched. Um, you know, X causes Y causes Z and so on. When the mind gets in there, it's able to change things, or or it it ha it, it it seems to to play a part in this. Um, and this is quite obvious in meditation that we are able to decide to do this or decide to do that, um, judge things in this way or that way. So what we're doing in 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 the practice of mindfulness is trying to purify that intervention or purify that mental state. When we see something, we see it purely. We have a pure response, a response that is creating peace, happiness, harmony, uh, big bears with boxes on their feet, and freedom from suffering. And... Um, We, ha we, we do this at every moment in the meditation. Our meditation has to be a moment-by-moment -moment practice. This is why you always hear in Buddhism, you know, stay in the present moment. Don't think about the future, don't think about the past. It's not just a, a nice thing to, to think or to, to appreciate. It's actually a meditation instruction that right now is when you're meditating. You can't say, I've been sitting for an hour, uh, I'm going to sit for an hour, you practiced, and then you say, I sat for an hour. That's that's really the wrong way to look at meditation. Right now, if you're meditating right now, then right now is meditative. And that has no bearing on the next moment. Because the uh, decisions that we make, the, the judgments that we make, occur at every moment of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, or thinking. And this is incessant. So our meditation has to be incessant. It has to be moment to moment. And this is this is sort of the basis of the practice that I teach. If you've been already following, indeed, if you've been if you've already been following the practice that I've been teaching, you can see that um, th this is this is what I'm talking about. You know, when 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 the belly when the stomach rises and you focus on the rising, and then you forget about it, and the stomach falls, you focus on the falling. When you feel pain in the body, you focus on the pain, and you simply see it for what it is. You you strengthen and and fortify the mind at that moment, so that when it makes a judgment, it makes one that's clear and pure and impartial. And seeing is seeing, hearing is hearing, smelling is smelling, tasting is tasting, uh, feeling is feeling, thinking is thinking. So. This is the sort of the the understanding that I have of of what is meant by mindfulness, and this is how I practice and how I teach. the The method, if you're not familiar with it, is to use a label or a word, or the way I like to talk about it now is a mantra, because everybody's familiar. Most people are familiar with mantras. It's something that is said to focus your mind. So, it's kind of. Um, coincidental that these two practices um, use the same technique um, because a mantra meditation generally has nothing to do with the reality in front of us. You don't hear people 
saying mantras like uh, pain, 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 or so on. You hear mantras like God or Jesus or Buddha or 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 Om or so on. You have have mantras which are have some spiritual meaning for people and are some somehow special. So the idea of watching your stomach and saying rising, falling, rising, falling. Um, it seems rather counterintuitive. It's something mundane. But the 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 incredible thing is that it in fact is the 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 more profound of the two, because who we are is the most profound subject of all. And by focusing on ourselves, and that is our very mundane selves, the the reality of who we are. This is the the body and the mind. We come to understand the whole of the universe because we're dealing in terms not of something that is conceptual, like um, our con concept of God or our concept of of the soul, our concept of heaven or or or, or enlightenment or whatever. We're focusing on something that is perfectly real, that is is real in, an, in in some ultimate sense, meaning verifiably. Everyone can verify that our stomach does rise and does fall. Everyone can verify that we do have pain in the body. Uh, everyone has can verify that there is thought, can verify that there are emotions. And the problem is that most of the time we... We, we miss this, and we think of these things as mundane, as boring, as uninteresting. We often have this sense of, of self, uh, I don't want to say hatred, but it's, it's a low self-esteem, or, or, or we, we dismiss the very nature of who we are as being mundane, boring, uninteresting, and so on. It's one of the reasons why we come on Second Life and deck ourselves out to be something we're not because who we are is is generally fairly disappointing so the the i would i would submit that the teachings of the buddha are not to um find something new and exciting but to make that which is uninteresting boring dull um and and seemingly useless to find some meaning and use and benefit in it to to come back to who we really are, what we really are, and to transform that into uh, a pure and meaningful reality. And we do this by watching it, and as I said, by purifying the whole system of who we are. Because that's really what we are, we're a system. We're a physical, we have a physical component, and that system is going in terms of cause and effect. But then we also have a mental component that is able to adjust and to alter this. The practice of the Buddha is to adjust and alter it in such a way so that it becomes harmonious and pure, that it becomes um, free from defilement, free from evil, uh, free from suffering, so that we're able to uh, work as a system in a way that is perfectly pure and beneficial both to ourselves and to other people. I would say the practice of meditation allows this. When you remind yourself of something, and whether it be something in the body, say focusing on the, the movements of some part of the body, in this case I always recommend the stomach. This is 
you know, the one movement that we have when we're sitting still. If you put your hand on your stomach, you'll feel the rising and the falling motion. So when it rises, you simply see it for what it is, rising. Just remind yourself, you know, stopping your this or changing this mind that wants to judge, wants to like and dislike and get bored and upset and disappointed and so on. When it falls, falling. You don't say it out loud. You 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 create this idea in your mind that that's what that is, which is which is is true. You know that's an that's a an, a concise explanation of what's going on. Is it the rising? It doesn't really matter what the word is, as long as it is as concise a possible understanding of what's happening. When you feel pain in the body, focusing on the pain, just remind yourself it's pain. Normally. Pain is something we don't want to focus on. We're very quick to run away from, to try to escape. So when we say to ourselves, pain, 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 we change that. We um, change our reactionism, or our, our uh, how do you say, reactionary behavior to one that is accepting, understanding, and able to yeah, live with the reality that's in front of us. When we're thinking something, just knowing that we're thinking, reminding ourselves this is a thought. You know, think about, this might seem fairly uh, banal and uninteresting, but think about how often our thoughts destroy us. Thoughts about what we've done in the past, stupid things we did, or bad things other people did to us, bad things that happened, or worry about the future, what's going to happen, and so on. And we wind up destroying ourselves. We wind up creating great, amount, great amounts of suffering for ourselves. And so when we know that it's just a thought, you can verify for yourself. You say to yourself, thinking, thinking, you'll see it disappears. It's, it's so, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I've become more engaged, quote-unquote. I never thought of myself as an engaged Buddhist, but I guess that's, in a sense, what it, what it is to teach other people. But it's just so... Um, you know, it, it creates such an imperative in the mind when you see people suffering from things that could be solved in about five minutes of explanation as to how to meditate. There may be more, but you know, there are times where I've sent an email to someone explaining, you know, they, they come to me with what seems to be a, you know, life-threatening problem of anxiety or depression or so on. And just one email from me, you know, not from me, but from someone who, who understands or is able to explain these things, and, and it, it's not even being special, it's just you know, having a basic understanding and being able to share that understanding with others, you know, can, can, can really just end the problem then and there, and they've been taking drugs and medication and so on, and, and the doctors say there's something wrong with them, and suddenly, poof, they're not healed, but they have a new way of looking at it, and a, and a way out, and if 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 they stick with it, and if they have, you know, reminders from a teacher, or if they they keep in contact, uh, there's no question that they'll be able to overcome even the most, even some of the most severe mental sicknesses. I would say there are probably cases that are um, difficult, and I'm not even sure if they can be solved through meditation, of true chemical imbalances in the brain, bipolar, uh, schizophrenia, and so on. 
Uh, those I'm not sure, and I have no no lengthy experience as to how meditation deals with those. But you know, I, I'd be willing to try, and I, I'm I'm sure it uh, th there's a chance at least. Well, I'd, I'd, if you're if you're interested, and get in touch. Oh, that's very good to hear. There you go. <clears throat> so even so, even some of the quote unquote most um, what do you say most extreme or or most um, you know the ones that that are said to have the most in, in in terms of a physical cause can actually be um, altered, affected, and and benefited through the practice of meditation. Um, and the final one is our emotions. So there are four satipatthana, which is the we translate it generally as the four foundations of mindfulness, which isn't a very good translation, but that's what they're known as: is the body, which is say the rising and the falling or the movements of the body, the feelings, which is pain or happiness or calm, the thoughts, which is just thinking about anything, and the the dhammas or or the uh, teachings of the Buddha, which you know, it's, it's kind of just a tack, an add-on add, add -on category for, for about everything else that you're going to have to focus on. And, and it starts with the emotions, those things that get away, get in the way of our um, ability to see things impartially. Uh, liking things, disliking things, um, distractions, worry, fear, depression, boredom, um, laziness, doubt. And so focusing on these is is um, of great importance, especially for someone who is just beginning, because these tend to come to the fore for most people, if you're not familiar with meditation. We're, we're sitting in meditation and thinking about what we want to do, what we'd rather be doing. We don't like what's going on. We're judging our practice, our minds. Our minds are not still enough, and we don't like it. Sitting here is painful and uncomfortable, and we don't like it. These emotions that come up, or we start thinking about something from the past, and it makes us upset, or, or makes us feel uh, happy, or we want something for the future, or so on. So, again, we have we have this this habitual state, which in many cases is chemically wired into the brain. We've got these these um, cycles of addiction and the, these brain patterns that are happening anyway. Um, all we're doing here is is you know, we're, we're using the other side of our reality, which is the mind, to to uh, adjust and to slowly alter. And in many cases, it's not that that slow at all. It's something that has immediate benefits and immediate effects when you simply remind yourself that it is what it is and stop judging. Um, you stop the cycle. You 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 change the old in way of intervening, the the old way of approaching reality, in terms of uh, liking and disliking, which is a very mental thing, into a new way of 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 affecting reality, and and that is based on impartiality, based on acceptance. Just by accepting things, they are what they are. When you're angry, say to yourself, angry, angry. When you want something, wanting, wanting. When you feel depressed, depressed, stressed, stressed, worried, worried, confused, confused, unsure, bored, whatever it is, 
this um, this moment-to-moment um, altering of the mind state actually has a moment-to-moment effect on the the cycles that occur in the body. So this is a sort of an overview of of the practice of meditation as I understand it and as I teach it. And I thought that would be something, especially for people who are new, that's of of much more benefit than giving a talk for that would be designed for people who are engaged in intense intensive meditation practice. So both ways are good, but um, I thought this would be a good one to um, to to give a talk on and also record, which I'm doing and place on the internet for people who are new to meditation. So that's all I have to say for today, and I'd like to thank you all for coming. I hope that this has been of some benefit for all of you to um, progress on in your practice of meditation and for the realization of of uh, the truth of the Buddha's teaching. Through the benefits of the practice, I wish that all of you and for all of the people who are watching and listening to this teaching, may you all find peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering for yourselves and be able to bring this teaching to help other people find peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering for themselves. Thank you all for coming. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer, and um, otherwise, have a good day.